Welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church. Are you awake this morning? We've had beautiful weather. We've been blessed by these things. The, this Sunday is special for us uh, throughout the month of September. We've been talking about Sunday school appreciation. Well, what does that mean? That means that over the last month we've had cards out the back where somebody, a Sunday school teacher perhaps, that has meant something to you and impacted your life, maybe your child or grandchild's life, um, and you wanted to show appreciation. Many times we forget to do that. And um, I was reminded even this morning when I was in Bible Quest watching these kids, these, uh, your kids, um, how that the impact of God's word. At one point I said, Pastor Rick, look, they're actually all quiet and they're all doing a drill around the Bible. All of them had their Bible open. I'd never seen them so quiet and still. That's the first victory. The second was around God's word. So it's very important that we teach our children, our grandchildren these things. It's also important that we learn as adults. We need to study God's word. Amen? Amen. Is that not what the Bible says? We need to study it. So uh, we provided an opportunity this month to, for Sunday School Appreciation. And uh, it's been interesting and encouraging to hear the impact that this has had. So... Toward, or it's be the very last thing we do at the end of our service. Uh, John Brinker and Eric Fryman will be at the back. Perhaps you have cards back there. We're not, you know, whatever came in is what came in. And um, they may be handing you uh, some cards and thanking you for not just a service to Crosspoint, more importantly, your impact of service to God as it has had layers and filtrate down to the children and the young lives of Crosspoint Baptist Church. So we do thank our teachers and, um, and our workers as well. It's been a great month of ministry. It's been a busy month uh, in September, but we are here today on purpose. It is now October. Rent was due yesterday, so we know it's a new month, right? Let's get our minds fixed upon him today. We're going to be opening the word in John chapter 10. We're going to be singing unto him as we continue to honor him the best that we know how. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us and being our God as we come together, whether we're on Facebook or even if we are here in attendance. I pray that you, you are well pleased with our lives. And that's a job. That's a work. Hearing Pastor Roger, uh, Pastor Rick this morning even share his life verse, how he never really arrives, but boy, he does have Christ in his heart. So bless today, bless our efforts in what we're going to do as we sing. I pray that it would be from the heart, that we not be so worried about how demonstrative we are, or demonstrative we are in our expression, but just let it flow from our heart unto you. Be our God, we'll be your people. Holy Spirit, you are invited into this room. I hope this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us in the praise team here? Would you stand with us? And we're going to worship our Lord with the song Forever, followed by Because He Lives. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. 
singing this morning very strong at least from my what I heard from behind my head with familiar songs for us that have very special place in a heart in fact when you sometimes when I hear the first couple notes of that melody I think of Bob McGee it's one of Bob McGee's songs right that he sang so many years and it also took me back to me and Amy Rink we'd sing that at uh at Forest Hills on chapels on Wednesday morning. So music is a very uh, unique gift that God has given us. Amen? You agree with that? It's a gift from Him. Um, what we do with it is up to us. But we do want to take this time and turn our attention to God's Word. If you heard the lyrics of those two songs, 
They're very weighty. Talk about being reborn. And why are we reborn? Because he lives. These are very weighty truths that if owned and applied, will just it transforms your life. It regenerates your life even more than transform. It regenerates. So Christ is in the middle of teaching these things. We're in John chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10, we, this is our walk through uh, the book of John on mainly on Sunday nights um, through Facebook Live, which we'll be doing tonight as well. Next Sunday night, you'll have a mystery guest F. Beer teaching uh, from a mystery location. I, I have never been at this location, so we'll see how uh, that goes. I'll be tuning in as well. But John chapter 10 is where we are. We've been kind of walking through the book of John. Why is it important sometimes to walk through the completed book of the Bible? Because every book has one theme. Now, there's many aspects of it as well. But this is the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. The gospel meaning good news. We know what that means. But as sometimes we need to walk through book, chapter, verse, and word at a time. Let it build a foundation of uh, your, your life, but more importantly, the truth of God's word. Many times we're looking for, just give me this, give me that, give me that. Can you kind of shrink this down for me, Pastor? The truths of God's word do not need to be shrunk down. You may miss it. If you, if you, uh, Pastor Rick and I was once at a, a, a Christian concert, and, and the, the guy was talking about when he writes music, he tries not to camouflage the gospel. One of the things is you kind of take the lyrics and you camouflage the gospel in the song, and you got to really work and think and listen to, to get the message. And he, he said, I don't do that because if you camouflage the gospel, you just might succeed. You just might camouflage it or water it down to what it doesn't mean. So John chapter 10, if you would buckle up, we're going to um, be covering, uh, I think, 22 through 28 mainly, but I want to, again, it's, it's taking this as we go through the Word of God and as uh, Jesus is still on one main theme. It's his deity, his divine nature. Somebody needs to write that down. That word deity is heavy. Deity, it means his divine nature. When he said, I and my Father are one, that's his deity. When he said um, just earlier, who are you? And he said, I am, referring back to the self-existing one, a name for God. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Savior. Jesus means Savior. Emmanuel means God's with us. Christ refers to Messiah. Lord means Master. Big, heavy words that sometimes roll off of our tongue too loosely. Here they are. He's with real people. Are you a real people today? Can I tell you something that I love about the pumpkin run? You guys know what the pumpkin run is. I talk about it every year. Car show, fairground, like 2,000 plus cars. I love it. I was there all day Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday. I plopped down in my chair, and I absolutely love it for several reasons. But another reason why I love the pumpkin run, you're in amongst just real people. Everyday Pete Claremont County people. I almost said hillbillies there. But everyday people, of which I am, I think I am, that just being able to be with everyday people, Jesus Christ here was talking to, interacting, dialogue, having a genuine relationship and dialogue with real people, everyday people. 
the Pharisees, he's, he's in, in, in nine, 8, 9, and 10, he's, he's the, the, the temple scene, and he's, um, now the Pharisees are coming, they're quizzing him, they're trying to trap him, all these things, he's rocking the world, we cannot go back and, and kind of set, fully set that up, but remember that he was talking to real people, he did a miraculous, he did a miracle to this one individual that ultimately causes him to believe that the Pharisees all witnessed and became the greatest object lesson. And he's been on it for one, two, two full chapters, although there weren't chapter divisions back then. When Jesus was speaking, he didn't say, I'm transitioning to chapter 10 now. He didn't, that's not how that works. It was just a, di a narrative. But this is where we pick up. In chapter 9, he had healed the blind man from birth. Is, you know, and now the, the sneakers and the creepers are coming in. Who, who healed this guy, the religious elite? Who healed him? Who did this thing? And they're like, uh, a man named Jesus. And they're quizzing the guy who was healed. And, you know, part of it, this is tongue-in-cheek, it's kind of like, what do you care? I'm healed. You couldn't do anything about it. What do, now you're a little bent that I, got, I can see now. That, that's the issue, right? So they start drilling down on him. And uh, he gets a little sarcastic, which I love, when he said, why, do you want to be his disciple also? They, they kind of go to his parents. They're trying to excommunicate him. All these things are going on. And Jesus is now turns his attention to the Pharisees, the ones that were drilling down on who is this guy, the ones that are drilling down. Why were they so threatened? One, he threatened their authority. They had the authority, and he was threatening that. He had the power that they thought they had, Jesus really had. He was God in the flesh. And he kept talking about his deity. So here we are, we're up to chapter 10, and he talks about him being the true shepherd. He used this, again, not in a, a switch and bait. I don't believe it was that. Jesus doesn't have to use gimmicks. He was just simply telling the truth. And he talks about the true shepherd, how that they thought, these religious elite thought they were leading people, but they were leading them. Oh, they were leading them all right in the wrong direction. Pastor Rick in Bible Quest, we were, we were teaching this morning, and we went through 19 of the kings of Israel. 19. And the bulk of them did more evil than the one that was before them. A lot of time it was their fathers too. It, but it only took one, one, one to change the direction of the future and multitudes of people. One good king, one righteous king that would follow the Lord. So that's what Jesus is sharing. He, in, in John chapter 10 now, he's talking about he's the true shepherd. He, he talks about him being the door. He's the good shepherd. And, and, and all these things are happening. We cannot go back. It is chock full of good stuff. But to set up verse 22, we need to make sure to cover verse 19 through 21. It helps us to understand a transition that happens because scholars say something pretty significant happens in verse 22. So let's see what happens. If you're ready, give me a uh-huh. All right, there we go. Chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, there was a division amongst the Jews because of these sayings. Well, what did he had he said before all that to make it therefore? Jesus is the good shepherd. He talked about how these hirelings, that, that the shepherd is the one who, who did the protection. He was the true shepherd. But the hirelings which is what the Pharisees, he's referring to them. You're the hirelings. You're not going to lay down your life. You don't own the sheep. You're the manager. You're not, he owned the sheep. Therefore, there was a division among the Jews because of everything that he had said in verses 7, 
Well, we could go back further, but 7 through 18. And verse 20 says, And many of them said, He has a demon and he is mad. Why do you listen to him? Now let's just, just to recap, let's recap. They're calling Christ, the religious elite are calling him a madman. Why are you listening to him? The recap is he just did a miraculous, he did something that only God can do. They couldn't, only God could heal. And he's sharing truth that is piercing and making people get to the heart of their own hearts, the heart of the matter, and they're threatened. Jesus, the true shepherd to Israel, but it goes beyond that because he was the true shepherd to all. There was another area that they were a little, just a little bit threatened about. The visions against or amongst the Jews, Christ's entrance into the world, listen to this, into the world, his entrance into homes and perhaps your heart produces a sword rather than peace. Ouch. That's not a message you hear every day. Jesus is love, and he is. He's grace, and he wants to give you a life that's wonderful and beautiful. He can, and he does. But that's not what you need to be focused on. What you need to be focused on, not your life as much as what he offers, but the truth of his life and his death, his resurrection of who he is. Remember when Jesus said, I don't think that I come to make everybody kumbaya and get happy. The very mention of his name can cause division in this world. Why is that? The gospel message by itself is the, uh, offensive. Only when one receives and believes. Say receive. receive. Say believe. believe. How about let's do it again and act like you really mean it. Say receive, receive. and believe. If you receive and believe him into your life as Savior and Lord, then you truly know the peace of God. Oh, come on. You didn't amen right there. I have it in my notes. You're supposed to say amen right there. Oh, yeah. I'm going to start holding up a sign that says amen here. When you and fully and you repent, when, you, when your life is given over to him, then you know the peace of God. Oh, by the way, that passes understanding. See what just happened there? But in this world, that message is not quickly received. So verse 20, 20 uh, it says, why are you listening to him? Verse 21, others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? So they have a problem. People are, are starting to, to really consider who he is. Others, they, kept, they just could not deny the works of the Lord. If his works are undeniable, then his words must be valid. You've heard that said from this pulpit a lot over the years. His works, his works validate his word. That was the primary purpose of miracles in, that Christ did. So it's interesting how and when individuals believe and when others don't. And can we just... Openly, just think this through for a moment. I'm not going to try to convince you one way or the other. But isn't it interesting how and when individuals believe when others don't? Isn't it, isn't it just mind-boggling how people, 
and, and, and teens or kids can grow up in a church and then walk away from it. In fact, deconstruct their Christianity to where they don't believe anything anymore. It's happening in droves. It is happening in... Uh, Carl Kirby's whole ministry is pretty much on that very point. Reasons for hope. Look it up. Pastor Rick just sent something out recently about that very, very point. It's so um, um, uh, mind-boggling to me how kids can, teens and kids can grow up in church and, and, and kind of walk away. But it's also as equally mind-boggling that the worst defiled person you can think of can hear that gospel message and be transformed and renewed. How, how do, on paper, that doesn't make sense. Is it just me? It, it, it's, it's amazing to me the work that God does. The Holy Spirit initiates a work in the soul. It's just a spiritual conundrum for me sometimes to really think about as we move through this life. But let's pick up our text to the day, verse 22, and we start moving forward. Um, the, 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 the religious elite, the ones who was looking for the Messiah were missing him. They, they were just missing him by a mile. The ones who weren't looking for him were the ones who seemed to be finding him. Verse 22, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. So one verse there, you may think, what, what's the significance of that? Believe it or not, that's a very significant verse. A little, um, one, there is a, there's a break in the narrative here. A time frame has elapsed between verse 21 and verse 22. How much time? Not, not, we're not exactly certain. But a, a time frame has happened. Different, perhaps, group of people. A lot of things are different. But he is now in a different setting with not only Pharisees, but all people, but mainly Israel. Okay? How do we know? It was the Feast of Dedication. Is the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication is interesting. You're like, yeah, I've heard of that. You probably haven't. In the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to have several feasts throughout the a year. You will have this one and this one and this one. This one, Feast of Dedication, isn't commanded to Israel from God. This is a whole different Feast of Dedication. In fact, if you were in on Wednesday nights when Andrew was finishing up the book of Daniel, uh, it alludes back to the time frame of this. This feast was instituted when the temple was rededicated after being defiled by Antiochus Epiphanes, making sure, 165 B.C. Jewel was there as an eyewitness. He knew all about that rededication. By the way, Jewel lost his Bibles. If anybody's seen a big... We found it. All right. Whew. I was worried. So this temple was being rebuilt or was rebuilt. They made, a, they made a dedication. So they did it every year. Now, is it wrong? God didn't decree that. Why would they? It's okay. It, it, it has a good meaning behind it. It's okay. But they were honoring that dedication um, from Epiphanes. And this is not a feast directed from God. But this is the only mention of this feast in the Bible. It's right here. All right? Just, that's just free information. But there's something else interesting when it says it was winter. I read a whole big commentary on the significance because that helps you to see perhaps when it 
happened and when all this happened. I won't bore you with the meteorology of all that, but it does tell us somewhat more of a time frame. But verse 23, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Well, that tells us something. It tells us where it took place. Different time frame, kind of still in the, a different, the same place, however. So the feast, um, or in verse 23, we see that um, Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch is mentioned in three times in the New Testament. Three times. Now this, re, uh, this reads simply, like in verse 23, like, well, it's just a platform. It's a place where they could go and share information uh, with the people. But the times Solomon's porch is mentioned, uh, where it's named in the Bible, people were amazed. The, the, the two other times, they were amazed. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. In fact, let's do that. Keep your finger there and John will peruse these things. Acts chapter 3, um, something ginormous happened. There was preaching on Solomon's porch where the lame man, uh, I'll give you a moment to get there. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. It says, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. Imagine that. This guy had a miraculous through the apostolic gifts, had a miraculous thing happen, and he wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go of Peter and John in verse 11. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, which they were what? Greatly amazed. See it right there? Now, let's, let's go to chapter 5, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Perhaps just a page over. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, the apostolic gifts, and they were all with one accord. Where? In Solomon's porch. So with amazement and with these miraculous things, we see Solomon's porch mentioned. But in John chapter 10, the one other time Solomon's porch is really mentioned, that's not so much the case. They're not amazed. They were more amazed in the future at the apostolic gifts than they were amazed at the Savior who does these things right in their presence. Hmm. Be careful not to, not to want the benefits of God and not grab a hold of God. Be careful not to grab a hold of the benefits of being saved and not be saved. See what I'm doing here? Be careful not to look for the benefits of the Holy Spirit. I want the benefits of the Holy Spirit. But you don't have the Holy Spirit. When you are a genuine, your life's given over, you, ha you have, and the Father has you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't be sold. Churches are selling you on the benefits of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't. Man, don't, don't lose that one. Because at the end of the day, then benefits may or may not be there. But you know who promises to never leave? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can find yourself in a really dark place. Spiritually, in your heart. Or you can find yourself in a dark place in some corner of this world really fast. Health, finances. Uh, you read the back of Revelation. We could all find ourselves in a... Uh, 
it's a dark place really quick. And if you're looking for the, but God, you, this is all the benefits that I was supposed to have. You can find yourself in a, a, a very solid, a quiet place. You're going to need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's some free food for thought. Some scholars say that in, back in John chapter 10, between verse 22 and 23, between these verses, some scholars say it's a transition between Christ's public ministry and his private ministry. Now, did he deal with people privately prior to chapter 10? Yes. In the future, will he deal with people in verse chapter 10 and 11 and so forth uh, uh, publicly? Yes. But the primary focus, it kind of seems like it was public ministry. Now he's turned into private ministry. And private mainly meaning between him and the Father. Death, burial, resurrection. Either way, that's just free food for thought. That was a freebie. Verse 24 says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, plainly tell us. Man, I kind of like that verse on one end. I'm a plain talker. Just lay it out there. Say what you got to say. But when you really study what they're doing in verse 24 here, it had sinister motives there. They, well, let's, let's look at it. Time for plain talk, I agree. The question reveals their heart, though. Listen to the question again. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, let's comma, pause. They surrounded him. Does that sound like a friendly, let's have a dialogue? That sounds a little bit more uh, pressure-filled intimidating, perhaps tyrannical feel to it. They surrounded him. How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, plainly tell us. The question reveals their hearts. They weren't genuine seekers. What were they doing? They were gathering evidence to accuse him. Does that happen today? The answer is yes. It still happens today. It happens in your workplace. That, that's why we are sometimes very quiet, ashamed to let our light shine. Sometimes, can't I just live my life in, in, in my work area, maybe in my cubicle, in my little spot, and, and not let my light so shine? What's the big deal? God, we're, we're good, right? We, sometimes we, we cower to the pressure of what's around us. We understand that. I understand that. People are gathering evidence against. Why? So that they don't have to face. If I ignore God and think that he doesn't exist, well, then he just does, why even pay attention to it? I won't have to face him. The truth is everybody will face their creator. One way or the other. Well, they're really trying to gather evidence to accuse him. But he had already avowed who he was to his disciples without leaving the book of John Keep, keep your finger there in 10. Go to John chapter 1. We won't even leave the book of John. We're just going to look at three of them. John chapter 1, verse 41. John 1, 41. Let's take a look here. By the way, we have several people watching from home on the Facebook. Uh, Doug Roberts. I see Melissa Bovey's watching, although she's back there in the corner. Somehow you made the cut still in the big wheel. So we want to welcome all those that are uh, watching on Facebook. He had already avowed. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. And, and this is just a, touching some, some, some high points here. 
Look in chapter 1, verse 41. Look, he's talking to his disciples. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. They recognized we have found the Messiah, and Christ didn't deny it, did he? Look in verse 49 of the same chapter. Uh, Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And he didn't deny it. So to his disciples, he'd already avowed these things. Go to chapter 4, verse 42, a page or two over in your Bibles. Chapter 4, verse 42. He had avowed to the Samaritans. Remember the Samaritans, as we always like to tell you, this is a melting pot of people. Uh, the Jews weren't crazy about them. They were their own people, but they're in the land, and the Samaritans weren't crazy about the Jews, who were the originals, or whatever way you want to phrase it. So you had two worlds kind of colliding, but he avowed to the Samaritans as well. Chapter 4, verse uh, 42 reads, Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world, and he doesn't deny it. He avowed to the disciples, he avowed to the Samaritans, and going back to chapter 9, creep up to where we were, look in chapter 9, verse 37. Chapter 9, verse 37 of the book of John. You still with me? Say, uh-huh. Let's go. Chapter 9, verse 37. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Look in verse 36. He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe? He, again, he didn't deny it. There's just three examples. So they already had the evidence. They had enough, but they wanted more. But how were they going to accuse him? What were they gathering evidence for? They wanted the evidence for Christ to say, I am the Messiah, I am God, and I am the King of Israel. The Messiah that they were looking for so that they could take him right to Rome. That was that what they were trying to do. They wanted to take him to Rome and say, he's trying to overthrow your province. A threat to the, a threat to the kingdom. That's what they were up to. But he hadn't yet made this big public proclamation to the multitudes per se or asking them um, you know, publicly in this, this manner. Therefore, they couldn't seize him because it wasn't like a, 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 a public inauguration of, of him uh, claiming king of the Jews. But the irony is they had read the scriptures and sought the Messiah, but there was no, so no proclamation really would have been needed. What's all this mean? It means they're denying Christ, just like people do today. They're questioning. They're trying to gather evidence. Why? So that their lives aren't disrupted, but also so they don't have to face the creator of the universe. How long do you keep us in doubt? Is what they said in verse 24. In doubt of what? Your unbelief? They already didn't believe. Keeping, you, keeping us in doubt of what? Look at verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. Period. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And they had seen work after work after work. 
He had told them all throughout, and this is the one they were looking for. He did tell them. We're in the book of John. Go to John chapter 5. Go to John chapter 5, verse 27. There's that sound I like to hear, the pages of Bibles turning. John 5, 27, look, look as I read. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. This is Jesus speaking to Jesus. Look in, John, uh, look in verse 46, chapter 5, verse 46. I know it's Jesus speaking because it's red letters. Chapter 5, verse 46. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Look in, look in chapter 8. Go another page forward. Chapter 8 and verse 56. This is Jesus' own words. This one really drilled down when we studied it. Your father Abraham, remember they were claiming, we're not of anybody, but we're of father Abraham. And Jesus used this, this line. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Ooh, that was piercing. That would have been offensive and piercing. And he saw it and was glad. These statements that plainly pointed to the promised one of the Old Testament scripture. They already had enough. They wanted this showdown, this one more showdown to be able to take him before Rome. Let's go back to John 10. Look in verse 26 as we move forward. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep as I said to you. He's doubling down here. He's, they wanted plain talk. Remember when they said, tell us plainly? It don't get no more cowboy than this right here. This is plain talk. You do not believe. How does he know? He, how does Christ know that they don't believe? Because he can see the heart. By the way, he sees my heart. He sees your heart. He knows what we believe. And by the way, what you believe is what will ultimately come out of your mouth or live out in your life. Verse 26 is really a re reiteration. I don't want to belabor this. It was a reiteration of John chapter 10. Let your eyes peruse over to John chapter 10. Really verses 7 through 18 that we went through verse by verse, line by line, sheep by sheep is kind of how we went through that as we talked about these things. But especially verse 16. 10, 16 says, The other sheep I have which are not of this fold, which is really referring to the Gentiles, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. One. When you're in his fold, you become one. Verse 27 of John chapter 10, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. True sheep of Christ never perish. Are you afraid of dying? Don't answer that out loud. But this is a sobering moment. We know all the preacher talk, and, and we know what Scripture says, that we're not going to be on this earth forever. But to, 
The longer we live, perhaps the more we think about it. And we start looking back more than we look forward sometimes. That's an honest question I want to ask right now, and I really don't like asking it, but are you afraid of dying? Are you concerned about the moment you step off this earth? Do you have doubts? Do I, do I believe? Did I hear his voice? Do I, am I following him? True sheep, the Bible says, hear his voice. His words are, you hear my voice. Hear the gospel, hear his voice. He knows them, and they know him. Do you know him today? We can answer real quick. He knows them, and they know him. Following, followed by faith, walking in obedience. Here's a spiritual application point for you to think through. I don't have the perfect answer for this. I, we could, it'd be a great round table. I wish we could do a big round table on this and... Let me ask the question and shut up and listen to everybody else talk, but that's not my strong suit. What does walking in obedience look like to him? What's that look like? Isn't that a fun conversation to have as a believer, as a genuine? If you really want to know, what's it? Because I think it kind of can look different for everybody, but at the same time, we know it's following his word. We know it's, it's, it's as he moves in our heart. It's, it's being, but I, I'm just so curious of what that looks like and what you have seen it look like. It's a little bit subjective, but there is also an uh, absolute truth in there as, as well. But I do want to warn you right now. The last verse we're going to look at is actually in verse 28. Here's the warning. If we had sirens and lights, I'll probably let them go off right now. Here it comes. Eternal security approaching. Here it comes. It's in verse 28. And I give them. Remember my sheep that know me and they know my voice? Remember that, that, that line just one before I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Say never. Whoo, never. Never, never, ever. Never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my Father's hand. Without going to any other scripture. Let's look at verse 28. Eternal life means will last forever. The question is, when does it start? It starts at the, the moment of genuine belief and regeneration. That's when it starts, and it lasts forever. Eternal life. Never perish puts the responsibility on Christ, not the individual. How could he make such a bold statement? Look at verse 28. How can he say, I give them eternal life, boom, to eternity? It never ends. How could he say that if it was dependent on us? It's dependent on Christ, not the individual. By the way, thieves and robbers, look in verse, um, uh, look at verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up another way, using a word picture, the same is a thief and a robber. So <clears throat> the, um, the thieves and the robbers, or the wolf, look in verse 12. 
continuing with the word picture of chapter 10, verse 12 of John, but a hireling or a manager who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, seeks, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. All these pictures, robbers, thieves, and the wolves are pictures of his protection. He does this word picture of the sheep. He's saying, see, this is what the other people do. This is what the other religion, religiosity, this is what the other fill in the blank. But this is what the true Savior does. No robbers, no thieves, no wolves. It ain't going to happen. That's a promise that he's given. What a word picture for them of this day. Eternal life is also quality of life. It's quality of life. I remember one time I was uh, in the early 90s. I'm, I'm walking in my faith. I'm trying to, you know, still trying to figure it out. And, uh, but I'm learning, and, I, and I'm learning these doctrines, and I believe them. And uh, we were at lunchtime um, where I worked at. We go out and play basketball. And uh, this one guy, he was from a whole different church, a whole different everything. And uh, we got to talking, and I, we had this, somehow this topic came up. Don't ask me how. Probably because I was schooling him and he needed to distract me. I don't know. But, Lauren Blizzard, you just rolled your eyes at my basketball skills. She rolled. She gave me an eye roll. It was awesome. We're playing one-on-one now. So, but he, um, as, as we got in this conversation, and he was a whole different thing. And he's like, you believe in that? You, do you really? He's a big dude, too. You really believe in that? And I'm going, yeah, I really do. That's what the Bible says. He goes, well, then, then cuss right now. Cuss right now. If you're, you're not going to go to hell, then cuss right now. He, it was so funny because the guy who thought you could lose your salvation wanted me to cuss, which could potentially, in his eyes, cause me to lose my salvation. He wasn't on my side. He wanted me to lose. But, I, but the guy who was eternally secure wouldn't cuss because I was winning the basketball game. No, I wouldn't cuss when I could have. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That, that's a real story. That really happened. I kind of walked away from that going, huh, I kind of won. I don't know if I won the game or not, but I won the, the, the deal. Eternal security is also quality of life. Man, there's a lot of talk about quality of life, right? We, we talk about that a lot. What's that look like and, as, as we move from day to day? What a promise that motivates the believer for the day. Listen to that. There's so many things we put upon ourselves, and listen, we're a messed up people enough. But here's a promise that we can latch on to. No, no sheep of his will spend a moment in hell. Not one. Let's read, let's read verse 28 again. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my Father's hand. Can't, can't get to us. How do we not live for him just out of pure love? I was watching a movie the other day. And there's a line in this movie where this guy's kind of having a come to moment with Jesus, or having come to Jesus moment. And uh, they're explaining to him grace. And the line was so subtle. It was so subtle, but I paused it. And he goes, 
talked about the grace of God, unmerited favor. In fact, we shared that word BQ this morning. And um, the, uh, so the word grace in this movie, the guy mentioned grace. Like, his grace? What am I supposed to do with that? I paused it, replayed it. His grace. What am I supposed to do with that? And I pondered that. I sat there and thought, think about that. I'm going, what do you do with that? You, you know what you do? You smile and live your life as unto him. What, what do you do with his mercy and his grace? By the way, his mercy, mercy, the word mercy is defined as not getting what we deserve. That, that's not getting what we deserve, hell. We deserve that separation. His mercy coupled with his grace... How do, we, how do we get to live? We get to live as unto him, out of pure love. I'm convinced of this. He, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 John, he loved us first. Once you have his love, that's when your love for him starts to happen. You don't love him automatically. I'm convinced of it. The Bible doesn't show that. He, we're commanded to do these things, but he initiates he initiates all these things. The Holy Spirit initiates salvation. The, uh, his love initiates our love for him. That's how we're to live in light of his grace. Also, eternal security does not lead to careless, reckless, sinful living. It doesn't. I didn't realize it at the time, but why didn't I cuss when I could have, according to this guy? I didn't want to live reckless before him I get, without thinking about it. Now, whether I cuss playing basketball is what you guys are going to think about for the rest of the day. If it was golf, that'd be a different story. But how does he deal with us now? He deals with you as a child. Romans chapter 12, he deals with us as a perfect child. 13, uh, 3 through 11. Let me wrap this morning up today. I hope this has been encouraging I learned this line from a, a college Sunday school teacher years ago. And he put this on the door of the room. And it said this, to make the most of today, keep eternity in mind. I love that saying. To make the most of today, keep eternity in mind. The very last thing of verse 28 says, Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my father's hand. His hand created the world his hand sustains the world his hand holds the power it's interesting as scientists and you hear these things hit the news and all this that's going on and we they think maybe we've lost an hour or two off of our clock and calendar and all that's out of, out of whack and um, I just kind of laugh at that stuff because science is a moving target to me but God this is there he's immutable is the word he holds all the power. You're like, yeah, but that's God. What about Jesus? All authority has been given to me is what the scripture says. He's the creator. And by the way, if you're like, was Jesus that creation? Colossians says, yes, he was. Definitely, absolutely he was there. Chapter something. His hand created and sustains the world. He has the power. Did you hear his voice? You're following him? And he has you in his hand. 
And by the way, I'm going to sneak verse 30 in there. I'm going to touch it tonight. I and my Father are one. What an encouragement today for us as we open God's Word. Can we bow for a moment? I'm going to conclude right there with the reading of the Word. I'm going to allow, or not allow, but give time for a brief. don't have to be brief. doesn't have to be brief either. I'm going to give time for a invitation. Come, come. Show these things up in your heart and in your mind. Not only the salvation. I do want you to consider it. I'm not trying to get you to doubt it. I'm not trying to get you to do anything other than to be honest and genuine with God right now. That's it. I'm not going to manipulate that. But I do want you to right now, maybe during the prayer or during the song, consider, think through, go back to your salvation. If you've got to go back real far, that's not good. You should be thinking about these things because you're moving forward if you're a genuine believer. And I also want to allow a time for prayer to live your, consider living your life under his grace, under his mercy. It's so enriching and freeing to live your life out of love rather than fear. Dear God, take this time and make it your own. This quiet moment, make it your own as you work in people's hearts and lives. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as we have the praise team will have a song of invitation. Uh, I would ask you to uh, consider these things and come. Pray with somebody. The altars are wide open. If, if you'll come, uh, be honest before God and watch what happens. Andrew. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone.
one more time with me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he seated for just a moment as uh man i was up here singing i thought how great we all had harmony and melody we sounded good and then i realized my microphone was off so it wasn't had nothing to do with me imagine that they sounded great this morning you know this again today is uh, the culmination of our sunday school appreciation uh as we had this idea a while ago we're thinking about how to how to wrap our mind around it, what do you do, how do you do it, and um, we just knew that it was right to do, and uh, some things don't always come off as you, you envision them, and you just do it anyways, um, and there's been people of our church, you've heard uh, Brad, Pastor Roger share over the um, last um, couple weeks, just people that have impacted them as well, we've asked our Bible Quest kids to come out uh, to be a part of this as well. And we, uh, so hopefully you, um, you, you did not serve the Lord for all these decades, perhaps, or even just recently for the accolades, you know, for the pat on the back. That's not why, if you go in the ministry for that, you will fail quickly. You're, you're, you're missing it. You're going to miss it. But over the years, we've had people kind of share and, and do these things. And here, as of late, um, Pastor Rick, this is actually his idea. He said, Pastor, man, I'd really like to show a special honor for Rosa Moore. So Rosa Moore, today we want to take this time and um, say thank you for your, we don't know how long you've actually been serving at Cross Point Baptist Church. You, we, we have no idea. We know it's decades. That's all we know. But Rosa, as Pastor Rick and I was talking, has really been in all children's ministry. We're talking about how to honor, what to do, and, and all these things. And, you know, this is Pastor Rick's words. Her ministry is her faithfulness. Amen. What's that mean? What do we mean by that? So many times I had this conversation with a family member this week that, you know, sometimes we see people expressing their worship 
you know, whether it be through singing or raising their hands or clapping. Those things aren't wrong, but they are not the measuring stick of the heart. You can fake those other things. You know the measuring stick of the heart is faithfulness. It's faithfulness quietly sometimes. Just being here, showing up, teaching from a pure heart. It's not about the notoriety that is the real sign of, of worship. It's the faithfulness to the work. So thank you, Rosa Moore, for just years of being faithfully, and, and this is the word that we use here, at your post for your God. As she's had many opportunities and reasons to step out. I don't know if you had noticed this, but a couple years ago, she decided to take a, practice her uh, acrobatics down a flight of stairs. That didn't, the, the approach was good. The tumbling was good, but the landing, not so much. We did not stick the landing. And it was very hard on her body. Very, if you remember, very hard. It was um, hopeless at one point, if not for the prayers um, of our church. So as Pastor Rick and I was talking, we're like, how, how did, and, and, and if you know Rosa at all, she's not an upfront kind of person. In fact, I, I was thinking about having you stand up, but I thought you may not even like that much. And usually you're back there at the back. So you threw me off. You had me nervous. I'm like, where is Rosa? She's not in the right spot. But we want to say, I think it's fitting for us to say thank you for your faithfulness. And I want to share an example of that. I was talking about this, and uh, I was talking with Eric Throckmorton, and he shared a, a little story. And I asked him if he would come up now and talk about his, uh, your faithfulness as it impacts his family. Say a few words on behalf of Easton. So Miss Rosa was very is very special to Easton. Um, he absolutely loved loved you um he will tell you today if you ask him that miss rosa is his favorite um so as a parent that's special to me because i know as he transitioned from nursery to uh, the big kid class um, he could always count on you to be there you always had a smile on your face um so thank you as a parent. You made it special for us. You're very special to Easton and my kids and all the kids here. So thank you. Um, can you tell us thank you? No. He says thank you. There's another element that I want to sneak in there, Eric, a little part of that that, I, that you shared yesterday that I want to share. You know, there's a time when we're, we're kind of doing Sunday school different, and how, how do we do it? We have rotating teachers, and it, it, sometimes that can be unnerving for a, to not know who your teacher is every week. But he wanted to know who his teacher was every week, and they were able to say, Rosa, Rosa, Rosa. And there's more to that story as well. So, Rosa, we want to say thank you as Cross Point Baptist Church wants to say thank you as well. I actually have a gift for you I'd like to bring. But Cross Point, can you say thank you for decades of ministry as well?
Again, make sure that you take the time to uh, show some love to Rosa and the Moore family, all for being here. And also, uh, again, make, uh, John and Greg. John, get back at your post. Deacon John and Greg. Uh, Greg, how about John and Eric? Let's do that. John and Eric, sorry. I got ahead of myself. Uh, uh, they may, have, may or may not have cards for you. Again, these are what we did for each other. So uh, if they stop you, they're not going to uh, uh, steal your money. They, they have something to give you, actually, all right? Uh, so again, tonight we have Facebook Live. We'll be, um, we'll be firing up, and then we will be announcing our uh, uh, Lord's Supper. We, have, we want to reschedule it for October. So sometime in October, um, we will be having our Lord's Supper. All right, church, you are dismissed. <laughs>